We're so glad you've joined us. Right now, it's Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. I don't know if you've ever felt inadequate or that you just don't have what it takes. I was feeling that way yesterday. And this this passage from 2 Corinthians 5 and 6 is so good. It's so healing. Paul is saying about his ministry, he says, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. Our competence comes from God. He has made us competent. He has made us competent as messengers of the good news. And so, you know, it's, it's good to feel insecure. It's good to feel like I don't have enough. Mm-hmm. It's good to feel a lack of confidence in myself being tending to be a very self-confident self-confident person i still have insecurities and it's i'm glad for them mm-hmm. because it makes me realize that my competence comes from god and yesterday you know we have a family member who suffers with mental illness and it's it's really the worst thing that there is and if you, if you have somebody close to you who suffers in that way, I think you would agree. And, uh, you know, this family member has said, I'd rather have terminal cancer than this. Mm. So he suffered all of his life, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And there are times, well, I just, I have to have his back. Yeah. And I have no idea, you know, when I'm heading over to his place, I have no idea what to do. Yeah. No idea. And I am not competent. And that's why I need competence from God. So I went over there yesterday and he was in a, he was laying on his bed and he just said, pair, I need you to pray for me. Mm -hmm. And there's moments like that where he's just, there's moments he's angry, but there's moments where he just needs his, his friend. Mm -hmm. He just needs his friend. And so You know, I just put my head on his chest and gosh, my, my, I've got a, I've got another family member who is, who's dying in a hospital in Florida, you know, and nobody's there with him. That's a long story. And so I was thinking about that as I went to my brother and I thought, brother, you are not going to be alone. Mm -hmm. I'm with you. I've got you. Put my head on his chest and, and I prayed for him. And it was so amazing. I felt this warmth in my chest. It's like, what's going on here? And it was like, what is that? It's like, that's joy. Hmm. I felt this joy in my heart. And I realized in part it was, it was God's joy. And it was God's joy for my suffering family member. Yeah. And I, and I told him that. I said... This, this is weird. You know, I don't know if this is going to, it's probably isn't going to encourage you at all, but I just feel like I feel God's joy for you in my heart. Mm. And he said, you know, I want to, I want, I want to be encouraged by that. Yeah. What, I mean, what a gift to him though, because part of his struggle as you know, you've shared with us, part of his struggle is feeling rejected by God. Yep. And so for you to experience the joy of the Lord, for him and to be able to express to him, the Lord has joy for you. Yeah. Not disdain, not anger, not, you know, 
not disappointment. Like he has joy for you and he's allowing me to feel it right now because he wanted you to communicate that. Yeah. To your and, friend. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't know why he can't feel it. I mean, I have some ideas of why he can't feel it, but we talked the other day about love receptors mm-hmm. and I don't know, maybe you can define that better than I can. Well, Fred Hartley was talking about it out of his book, Just Say Father. And he said, we all have places in us where our love receptors are broken. So we deeply desire to feel loved by God, but there's brokenness in us that causes us to push away the love of God rather than receive it. That's it. That's it right there. That's what this, this dear family member suffers from. I mean, there are other things, but at the core of it is that he can't receive love. He's been wounded in such a way that those love receptors don't work. And so there, there are a lot of times when I feel God's heart for him, but he can't feel it. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so I can say, I'm feeling this from God for you. Mm-hmm. And, and I've learned to say, you know, and I know that you want to feel that as well. But yeah. it was so cool that God did that yesterday and he took it as encouragement, even though he couldn't feel it right. in that moment. You know, yeah. and I think like, it's almost like we have to be God's emotions for him. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking of the picture that comes to mind when you're describing this, Perry, is just like sitting with somebody who has lost their sight and explaining a sunrise. Hmm. Yeah. It's not that it's not there. Mm-hmm. Because they can't see it doesn't mean it's not happening and it's not real. But you were someone in his life who could say, let me tell you what's happening right now. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? It came through my weakness. It came through my insecurity. It came through not having any idea Mm -hmm. what to do. And the Holy Spirit came through for me. And so there are people around us, you know, there are lost, broken, lonely, wounded, hurting people, And those are the hardest people to work with and because we don't know what to do. You know, we we don't have the solution, but Jesus in us can Mm -hmm. do something for them. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. So many things I love about Jesus, I'm sure you can identify with that. But one of the things I love about Jesus is that he's so straight with us. He says, you know what? In this world, you're going to have troubles. Mm -hmm. You're going to go through stuff. It's going to be hard, but I'm with you. I have overcome the world. I love that about Jesus. Yeah. And just yesterday I had some conversations with people that I love and care for deeply sharing with me what's going on in their lives. And I just, I felt it. You know what I mean? I just felt, Mm -hmm. man, there's hard stuff going on and everyone has a lot going on. And I just needed to get what I was feeling and what I was thinking out of my head and onto paper. And so I just penned this and I'm just going to read it to you and then share with you what came after that. But it's just this. Everyone has a lot going on. Everyone. Loved ones who may not make it through the day. Debilitating depression. Nightmares. Interrupted sleep. Tired. More work than they can accomplish in a day. Mental illness, loneliness, marriages that are hanging by a thread, strained relationships with our kids, health concerns, cancer, postpartum depression, COVID, fear, deadlines, 
working long hours, feeling rejected and left out, uncertainty about the future. We all have stuff going on all of the time. It's never not true. And these are things that you're just aware of in your sphere, right? Yeah, this is not a made up list. These are things that's very specifically I have been made aware of mm-hmm. in the last like 24 to 48 hours. Yeah. That are real things going on in real people's lives. And then there's that co-host you got to deal with. <laughs> you got to throw that in there. <laughs> We've all got stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, so I pinned this and then I wrote right after that, this big long list, I wrote, it can feel like we're drowning. And we're just trying to keep ourselves from going under. And when we're barely trying to survive and someone who is also drowning grabs onto you, trying to keep themselves afloat, you feel this extra pressure pushing you under. And it's so, so hard. I feel that. Yeah. So I was feeling all of that and I got all of that out by just, you know, that's how I figure out what I'm feeling sometimes is I just have to get it out of myself and onto paper. And so I had done that. Same. But then I got this text from a friend and listen to this. This, this is morning. This morning. I pinned this this morning, got this text this morning. After you pinned that. After I pinned it. Yep. yep. Good morning, Shauna. I'm awake early and praying for you. Isaiah 58, 10. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. And then she wrote, keep drinking today. Physical water and Jesus's living water. Praying you can love people well without being pulled into drowning yourself. (laughs) It's tricky to do it well. And I'm just, I read that line about without being pulled into drowning. And I had literally just written, you know, it can feel like we're drowning at times and just felt like such confirmation that, yes, this is my friend, but this is saying these with these words with me, but this is my friend who hears from God and God put his words on her heart. Isaiah 58, 10. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Hmm. So I don't know what your list is today. Like, I don't know what the stuff is that you're going through that's so hard. And maybe it's stuff that you can share with other people and, you know, have them pray for you. But maybe it's stuff that you're like, I can't even say this out loud. I can't. I am a huge, huge encourager of Christian counseling. I would just encourage you to reach out to somebody that you can talk to and that you can share with. But I tell you what, what you're going through right now, you are not alone in it. God sees you. God loves you. He is the rescuer. He is coming for you. Just keep your eyes fixed on Jesus today. He is going to keep you afloat. What do I need to do to earn God's favor, to get God's favor, to get God's approval? Most of the people in the world are asking that question. I know there are atheists in the world. They're not asking that question. I mean, they are in in a certain kind of way, but that's a different discussion. But for people who believe in God or gods, the question is, you know, the looming question is, How can I be right with my God? Mm. How can I be approved by my God? How can I get my God's favor? You know, and Jesus, we believe as followers of him, that the word of God became a human being to show us the way to God. And so Jesus was 
was preaching to the crowds in John 6. And in John 6, he says to the crowds, well, first the crowds say to him after he preaches, they say, we must, what must we do to do the works God requires? What must we do to be right with you, Mm -hmm. right with God? They didn't believe he was God at that point, but what must we do to be right with, with the God of Israel? You know, to be in right standing, to have his favor, to have his approval. And Jesus, I think, floors him with this. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. That's it. Mm-hmm. To believe in me. Think about being in that crowd and, you know, they worship the God of Israel. And this guy's saying to believe in me, mm. to be right with God, mm-hmm. that I've been sent from Yahweh and that I'm I'm the the promised redeemer, the promised savior, and the one who makes you right with God. And and it's interesting the word he uses to believe, not to here's here's all the things you need to do. Mm-hmm. You know, religion is spelled D O. It's the things we do to get God's favor. But the gospel is spelled D O N E. It's trusting in what Christ has done. And so Jesus says, "This is how you're right with God. Believe in me." Mm-hmm. believe in me. Yeah. And I think, you know, to believe, I think a lot of times in our context, we translate that to mean to agree with, you know, if I agree that Jesus mm-hmm. is the Messiah, then, yeah, then I'm good. But to believe, I mean, if you really believe that Jesus is who he says he is, your whole life shifts in that moment. Yep. You know, everything in, instead of him being a part of your world, that you at the center and he's off in that religion corner of your world, he becomes the center when you know who he is and you believe he is who he said he is. And he died for your sins and he's the savior of the world and he's the Messiah. He gets the center space. Right. And everything else revolves around him. Yeah. Yeah. What I hear you saying is that this word believe means way more than what we think it means. Yeah. It's not just a matter of agreement. Yeah. It's not just intellectually. Oh yeah. I believe in Jesus. It's like trusting in, clinging to, relying on. It's like shifting the, the, the center of your trust from yourself and completely moving that over onto Jesus, Mm -hmm. throwing yourself into Jesus as if he's, he's like, an ocean or a river, you throw yourself into him in complete trust. That's what he's getting at when he says belief. And not just once, but over and over again. Sometimes I've got to do that several times a day, you know, just recentering my thoughts on, oh, that's right. It's not about me. It's about you. Help me to get out of the way or help me to surrender, empower me to do, you know, your will in this moment and not to do my will. Mm hmm. So trusting in, I'm wondering if you've trusted in, cling to, relied on Jesus. If you've ever, you know, shifted the weight of your trust in your life from yourself onto Jesus, if you've ever done that. I mean, I'm a follower of Jesus. I need to keep doing that, shifting that trust from myself to him. But has there ever been a time, a first time you've done that, you know, and and this is how to be right with God is to believe in Jesus. And, you know, this is, this is the message of Jesus that he came, the word of God who, who existed from forever. I know this sounds like science fiction, but it's the truth. The word of God who existed from all eternity became a human being and lived the life we should have lived. 
and died the death that we deserve. He took the judgment and the punishment that we justly deserve for our sins because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And he rose again to bring us into the Father's favor. And when we put our trust, we, we throw our lives onto Jesus. He forgives us of all of our sins and he counts his perfect life as our own and he brings us into the Father's embrace mm-hmm. and he fills us with the Holy Spirit and we're right with God because we've trusted him. And I said it sounds like science fiction because how does the word of God become a human being? But he proved this is true by the resurrection. He rose from the dead. And that confirms, you know, if he really did rise from the dead, then everything he said about himself is true. And I believe that there's overwhelming evidence for the resurrection, uh, not the least of which is how I've experienced the risen Christ mm-hmm. in my life. Yeah. So if you're asking the question this morning, like, how do I win the favor of God? How do I get his smile? How do I get him to show me that he loves me and that I'm valuable to him and that he wants to be with me? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. If you're a follower of Jesus, what a privilege we have to be on mission with Jesus. We have a mission from the Lord Jesus to partner with him to repair the world. If you can think of anything better than that, you're going to have to tell me because I can't. All right, so Acts 20.24, Paul says about this mission, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and to complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. Paul is, is such an inspiration. He had such a passion. He was willing to go through anything. He really did consider his life worth nothing at all. Mm-hmm. He was beaten up. He was, I mean, gosh, he went through so much for the sake of the gospel. And he didn't quit. He just had incredible ballast and incredible grit. And of course, God's strength was working through his weakness. And Paul, you know, his last mission is he wanted to get to Rome. I want to get to Rome. I want to, I want to talk to Caesar. And we don't have that that conversation in the book of Acts, but he did get to Rome. He did speak with Caesar and it was Nero at the time, one of the most vile, you know, rulers of all time. But I, I wish, I wish we knew what he said to, mm. to Nero, but I just love this, that, you know, the, the task the Lord Jesus has given us, you and me, it's, it's to finish the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. So, you know, at the very least, to be able to share our story of how the grace of Jesus has impacted us and to be able to share that, you know, is sharing the gospel. You know, when we talk about how Jesus has rescued us, freed us, saved us, washed us, cleansed us, you know, and what it looked like for that to happen and what what it looks like even now as the Lord continues to change us, that's one way we can finish the task of Mm -hmm. testifying to the good news of God's grace. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this verse is the exact opposite of pride. Mm. Yeah. You know, it's a complete surrender of your life. Like I'm going to lay down my life. I'm going to lay down my own wants, my own desires. This isn't about, you know, achieving the American dream. It's not about what my portfolio is going to look like when I retire. Not about, you know, even what I'm going to accomplish today. 
Because mm-hmm. we have ideas in our head of like, okay, today this is what's going to go down and this is what's how it's going to be. I had one of those days yesterday where, you know, I had in mind what I thought should happen in the day and there were God-ordained opportunities to be present to what God was doing. And I had to battle my pride a little bit and my own idea of what I thought was going to happen and surrender that to, I'm right here, I'm right now, you know, right here, right now, God, you're right here, right now, help me to be present to what you want to do in this moment. Yeah, that is so good because pride can make us want a certain response from people when we share the gospel with them. We want them to obviously receive it with joy. And many times that happens, but there are times when we're just being faithful and we share the grace of God with people and we don't get any reaction. Mm. And, you know, my pride wants me to get that reaction. But our mission is to simply share, to sow the seed. Right. So so the Lord put on my heart this, this gal, this barista, and I just felt like he wanted me to say to her, God sees you and God loves you. And, and I had an opportunity to share that with her. Mm. And she said, thank you very much. And that was it. Yeah. You know, I was thinking, oh, she's going to break down in tears. It's just yeah. going to be this moment <laughs> she's of. She's going to be so moved. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but, but you know what? I did the right thing. Uh, it just being faithful. And then, you know, this summer I had a chance to speak at two funerals and I got to share the grace of God. Mm. And, and the one was, was really hard because, you know, there were a lot of people who were religious in the sense of they respect religion, but as far as a relationship with Christ, you know, that's not at all their thinking. So Christianity to them is getting baptized as a baby and, and maybe confirmed and, and going to, to mass and, taking communion and, you know, they're respectful toward it. But I felt like I needed to just open up mm-hmm. my heart and mm-hmm. just be vulnerable about my need for Christ. And it was so scary. And I did. And, you know, I didn't really get much of a response, but I knew I did the right thing. So for me, it's my task is to share it mm-hmm. and not worry about the outcome. There you go. Yep. That's it. We're responsible for obedience. God's job is the outcome. Yep. That's it. So the other day I'm just scrolling through Instagram and I see this reel of pastor and author Timothy Keller and you betcha I stopped to listen to it. He was talking about how to share the good news about Jesus in the most effective way. In other words, how do we communicate, you know, how relevant the gospel is to the person who's hearing it? Well, let me play it for you and then we can talk about it. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on this. Jesus became like us and spoke to us in literally in a language we can understand. In the same way, we need to make every effort to speak to people in a way that makes sense to them in their time and place. Now, what does that actually mean? At the most basic level, when Paul says in 1 Corinthians 1, the Greeks want wisdom and the Jews want power, and the cross is foolishness to the Greeks and weakness to the Jews, but to the Greeks and Jews who are being saved, 
the true wisdom and true power of God. What Paul is telling us is that in the culture of Greece, people were longing for wisdom. And in the culture of, the, of Israel, people were longing for power. Jesus Christ fulfills the deepest longings of the heart. Even as he confronts people about their sin, he also fulfills the deepest aspiration. And to really make sure you're communicating the gospel, for a particular time and place, you got to find out what is the cultural longing, what is the cultural heart, what is the cultural aspirations, and show that they're looking for fulfillment in the wrong places. It's only found in Jesus Christ. That the plot lines of, you might say, that culture story can only find resolution and a happy ending in Jesus. And that's what it means to communicate the gospel in a way that fits that time and place. Not so good. Mm-hmm. He's so good. So he made me think, you know, I got thinking, how do we communicate the gospel today in a way that's clear that, you know, Jesus meets our deepest longings. So as he's saying, for the Greeks, they wanted wisdom. And for Israel, they longed for power. Yeah. And so the good news of Jesus is that he is wisdom and he is power. Yeah. And the interesting thing about that is that for the Greeks, they, they were longing for wisdom. And, and Paul's answer to that was that Christ is the wisdom of God. Mm-hmm. You know, the, Christ is the way to know God. And to the Jews, they wanted power. And the message was, the cross is the power of God. So so it fulfills their longings, but not in a way that they expect. Right. You know what I'm saying? I do know what you're saying. And so the question that came from me listening to this thing was, all right, what is the greatest longing in the world that we live in today? In our culture. Like, in our culture, because that's... That's the good news is Jesus. We know the good news is Jesus, but the way to for it to be good news for other people is to be able to express to them that he truly is meets your greatest longing. Mm -hmm. You were talking the other day or we were talking the other day about the Freud quote. I always get this backwards, but about frustrated sexual desires. Mm -hmm. What's the quote? Okay. So Freud said our spiritual longings are actually frustrated sexual desires. But it's actually the other way around. Mm -hmm. Our sexual desires are actually frustrated spiritual longings. So all of our desires point us to what we really long for is God. That's the point of it. Right. But we had this conversation about that. And then when you posted our podcast for the day, you titled it Frustrated Sexual Desires or something along those lines. Yeah, we got a lot of downloads. (laughs) Yeah, and there's just like (laughs) a ton of downloads. It's like, I think that speaks to one of the longings, right? Mm -hmm. I think that... We're dealing with it. I mean, we as a people, as a culture, are experiencing frustrated sexual desires. Mm. And the answer to that is Jesus. But I, I don't think that's like necessarily the only one, but I think it is, a, you know, a window into what speaks to people's hearts today. Well, actually, I think you're obviously onto something. And I think it's not just our culture is experiencing frustrated sexual desires. It's, it's about identity. Mm-hmm. The deeper thing is, who am I? Yeah. We don't know who we are. Right. Am I female? Am I male? Am I neither? Am I something else? Yeah. yeah. And so I think what our culture is longing for is a rock solid identity that gives us a sense of, I'm okay. Mm. Everything's going to be okay. I'm safe. I'm accepted. I'm received. I'm welcomed. I'm applauded. And you you can't get that from any other identity than being a child of God. Yeah. Because no one, no one's going to love you 
perfectly for, for all other possible identities. But God will love us as his child perfectly. And it's, it's the only place we can find that, that perfect sense of belonging. In Christ, you are chosen, known, loved, valued, held, and whole. We get to chat here a minute with Troy and Melissa Lamberth. They are founders of Five Solus Media. It's a media company that produces short educational films told from a kid's point of view and using adult actors whose voices are overdubbed by children. It's such a fun and entertaining way to learn for kids and adults. And they just released John Knox. It's a 21-minute short film. You can find out all about it at www.fivesolusmedia.com. That's Five spelled out and S-O-L-A-S media.com. Tell us about John Knox. Sure. John Knox was a Scottish reformer and he had been trained as a Catholic clergy member, became gripped with the truth of the gospel. And really the God's word became very important to him. And so he, along with many others in Scotland, began to preach that one is made right with God through grace alone, by faith alone, in Christ alone. And in his efforts, there was a lot of turmoil. And it's hard for us to understand today because we've separated church and state in some ways. Mm -hmm. But back then, the church and state were entwined. And so, you know, if your leader, if your queen or your king was Protestant or Catholic, that's how the whole country had to be. And so Knox really was one of the first persons to say, hey, no, we have the freedom to worship God the way that the Bible prescribes. He had to run off at times and be a refugee in England, but he came back and and really through a lot of his efforts, Scotland saw a transformation. And over the next hundred years, Scotland really goes from a backwoods country to a country with hospitals and, and education. Knox taught that every parish should have a church and a school and that schools should be free so that kids can be taught how to read. And his purpose was so that they could read the Bible for themselves. He's quite a character. We don't cover all of that in our 21 minute movie. The unique part about our movies are they're adult actors with the kid voices told in a humorous way. We like to say kind of a Pixar way where mom and dad Mm -hmm. can enjoy watching it. Kids are laughing along and are learning from it as well. Our main focus in the John Knox film is what's called sola scriptura or scripture alone. Knox believed that scripture was the authority over the believer and not the church or the Pope. He defended that with a lot of people, including three Queen Marys. Just how that belief of sola scriptura, scripture alone, really drove him as a man and a believer. How did his life end? Knox, actually, you'll see it at the end of our movie. He literally preached in the pulpit up until the last few days of his life. And then he was bedridden and he was people would come in and come out and he was encouraging them with the scriptures. So we have this beautiful little scene of a candlelit where he's got the Bible open and the camera is sweeping by and he's sitting there just reading the scriptures to people. So it's pretty wonderful that even at the end of his life, he was still seeking to preach and to minister the word of God and point people to Christ. Way better than being burned at the stake. (laughs) Yeah, way, way better. Thanks for listening to Barry and Shauna Replay. To learn more, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.